Well, do me a favor as you're having a seat and give those that are watching us right now live as well as on Facebook Live a round of applause and thank them for being a part of our worship experience this morning. It's so great to have all of you and uh, we're excited about what God has in store for us today. We are uh, really wrapping up a series that we began right after Easter and I'm um, super excited about I, I just what I believe God wants to uh, challenge our hearts with today and and uh, just looking forward to what God has in store for us. But before I uh, share today's message, I want to uh, just give a little quick shout out to a group of people I'm so proud of. I had the privilege of spending the last uh, really 24 weeks with uh, a, a group of individuals who have gone through our first ever Rethink Life Leadership Academy. And we had a full year. We had 12 months in the fall when we began and 12 months the spring. And we just had this past Monday night our graduation. We had 18 graduates that completed our first inaugural class of the Rethink Life Leadership Academy. These are some amazing people, amazing leaders, and so refreshing to me just to see the level of commitment and these people have invested their lives into growing, to being stretched, to be challenged, and to ultimately become who God created them to be. And uh, some amazing leaders in that group. And they are also serving in our dream team, leading small groups, and making an incredible, incredible difference. And if that's something you want to be a part of, we're going to be rolling that out again in the fall. We're taking a break in the summer. We're kind of following a typical summer for, or excuse me, a summer uh, in, in, in school format. But let me just say this, if that's something you're interested in, we'll be rolling that out uh, later in the summer first part of August, so you can be a part of that as well. Happens on Monday nights, and it was an amazing, amazing time together. Well, we are in week five of the series called The Family Shift. Turn to your neighbor and say, make the shift. The reason why it's so important that we make the shift is because if we don't make the shift, unfortunately, we're going to drift. And that's the reason why it's so important for us to have a framework, and that's really what we rolled out uh, beginning with the first week when we introduced this series, uh, we started out with uh, something referred to as, uh, as really the vision in the heart behind uh, making the shift, and that is to start with the end in mind. So during week one, we're really what we talked about is we talked about the importance of having a mission and having a vision, not just for your life, but if you're married, having a mission and vision for your marriage. If you have kids, have a mission and a vision for your family. Why is that so important? It's because it's impossible to lead your life, to lead your marriage, or to lead your family if you don't know where you're going. So we got to start with the end in mind. And then week two, we talked about the importance of holding to core values. Well, what did we really emphasize there? Well, we talked about the importance of having a set of core values. These are the non-negotiables in our lives that really serve as a filter, if you will, to help you, your marriage, and your family relationships make wise, God-honoring decisions. Because if you don't have those core values that you're holding to, then we have a tendency to drift. And God doesn't want us to drift. No, He wants us to make the shift. He wants us to stay focused on His values, His principles, and His priorities for our lives. And then during week three, we talked about the importance of identifying what we call our GPS. And what is that? That simply means our gifts. It means our passions, and it means our strengths. Excuse me, it means our struggles. So God can take our gifts, he can take our passions, and he can take even the struggles that we have in life, and he uses all of those things to ultimately keep us in a place 
that he wants to use us in because we're all wired differently. And he takes the good, the bad, bad, and the ugly, and he mixes it all together so that we can fulfill an even greater purpose that he has for our lives. And then, of course, week four, last week, we talked about the importance of finding life-giving friendships. Why? Because show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. We talk, talked about the really the impact that uh, our friends can have on our lives. That's why it's so important that we associate with the right kind of people. And if you're a parent, it's important that you understand the value of the friendships that you have because chances are your children are going to run with the children of your friends. And so we've got to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're holding to those same core values that our relationships all share the same common mission and vision that we have for our lives. And so as we're supporting one another through this process, it leads us to the last thing, and that is to teach by example. Now, if, I don't know if you have our, our, our app, but I would highly encourage you to turn it on if you have your smartphone and follow along with me through our app. We'll, of course, have it on the side screens as well. But let me just share something. It's, it's really in the form of a key thought, and uh, I really hope you'll jot this down. This is so vitally important. When you think about it, teaching by example... Here's something I want to just leave you with. Your children will become who you are. So be who you want them to be. Repeat that. Your children will become who you are. So be who you want them to be. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, that's a little scary that your children will become. They'll, they'll be who you are. And so when you think about your life, when you think about your example, it has a profound impact on future generations. I think another way of saying it to really keep it simple this morning, and that is, hey, it's monkey see, monkey do. Can I get an amen? I remember my dad used to say, hey, the little monkey always does what the big monkey does. And so you got to realize the power and the influence of the example of the lives that we actually live. And I think one of the things that I think is so vitally important when it comes to just thinking about that is that we live in a day and age where the pressure to conform is so great. I mean, think about it. The cultural, really the cultural current will cause us to drift. And what happens when we begin to drift, we drift further away from God and we and we, we actually will drift closer and closer to the things of this world. And that's the reason why we got to make the shift so that we can avoid the drift. And so when it comes to making the shift, and I think understanding the importance of avoiding the things of this world, avoiding the cultural drift, I think that's why Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 12, verses really 1 and 2, but I'm going to just share verse 2. And he said, don't copy the behavior, and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Isn't it awesome to know that God has a good, pleasing, and perfect for your life and for your marriage and for your family relationships? That's his plan. That's his heart. That's what he wants for you and really for your family relationships, is really to experience everything he has in store, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. We can't really experience that if we're drifting, if we're moving further away from God and closer to the things of this world. That's why Paul said, don't copy, don't mimic the people of this world. Don't follow the crowd. Don't conform 
to what is now the norm of our society. No, instead, transform, make a shift, do it different, follow God's ways. Another way of saying it is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. He said these words in verses 1 and 2. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you will be, excuse me, you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I think at the end of the day, as I stated a few moments ago, it is a sobering thought to realize that how we live our lives and really the example that we leave, the example that we live, influences the next generation. And so that's a lot of pressure. You think about, you know, the example that we live and how we live our lives. I mean, I mean, we're all, I don't know if you're anything like me, but man, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a messed up person. I'm an imperfect person. I've made mistakes. Man, I, I got a whole laundry list of things I'm guilty of. And when you think about, you know, our past, when you think about bad decisions that we've made, when you think about, you know, just, you know, just the things that are inconsistent, I mean, all the discrepancies of our lives. You think about the double standards. <laughs> it's easy to, you know, say to do something and then practice something else. It's, it's, a lot, it's, it's, it's a lot harder to actually do the very things that, you are, that you're intentional about. You know, things that you want to do, it's, it's hard to actually follow up on those things and actually do them, execute them. But at the end of the day, our kids will follow our example. And we have to realize that it's not us that we really want our kids to follow. It's Jesus in us that we want our kids to follow. So when you think about the lives that we live, just to take a little pressure off, <laughs> I think you've got to realize that it's not us that we're asking the next generation or the people that we have influence over to follow. No, it's Jesus living in us and through us that, that other people see. Because when they see us, when they hear us, they don't just see us and hear us. No, they, they see and they hear Jesus. That's why the Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why that verse said like an aroma to God. It ought to be a sweet smell. It ought to just draw people in because of how we live our lives. We're living our lives. Why? Because we're following the example of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's our model. He's our example. So as long as we follow him, as long as we mimic him, we're in good shape. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share something with you that's very, very special to me. Many of you know my mother, uh, she passed away uh, about three and a half weeks ago, almost four weeks now. And um, she had a profound impact on my life, as you can only imagine, just like I'm sure all of us in here, we can testify to a mother or a father who helped shape who we are today. And my parents uh, were married for over 64 years. And uh, there are four sons. I'm the youngest of four. I always say they save the best for last. But, uh, no, my, my parents had four sons. And uh, today, by the grace of God, all four of us are serving the Lord in full-time ministry or have a uh, really just a part of the ministry as, as an extension of our lives. We're all four ordained ministers. Um, my parents by no means were perfect. My parents, just like any other parent, made mistakes. They had flaws. Um, but the one thing I'm so thankful for 
is the, really the, the imprint that they left on our lives spiritually. Um, our parents by, by no means lived a perfect life, but at the same time, their heart, their intention, their vision, their mission, their heart for everything that we were, we were ultimately to become is ultimately that we would become you know, who God created us to be and that we would reach our full redemptive potential. So they did the best they could to invest in us, to live that life in front of us, the, the life of Jesus, the best they knew how. And, um, and so today, both of my parents are with the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. It gives great peace and comfort to know that when a loved one, um, someone that means the world to us, passes away, uh, it doesn't mean that they're gone forever. No, it just means they begin to live forever for all eternity. And hopefully that's a home in heaven. Amen. For those who know the Lord, that is a fact. They're going to live forever in a home called heaven. So today, my parents, I believe with all my heart, are looking down, cheering us on, uh, at a boy, at a girl, because, you know, they believe in us. They, they, they ran that race, and now they've passed that baton to us. And so today, um, because next week is Mother's Day, I just thought it would be fitting for you to hear from my mom. Even though she's not physically here, we had the opportunity to sit down and capture her heart and to capture some things that she taught us as, uh, as boys and as, a, as, a, as a really just a, a Christ-like example as a mom in our home. And uh, it's kind of a treasure that I'll always have and a treasure for the rest of my life. But I thought it would be a great uh, encouragement and inspiration to you to hear from her own words um, what it really means to teach by example. So I want you to watch this video. Rethink Life Church, what a special day this is. I have my precious mom here with us and I can't think of a greater opportunity on this special Mother's Day than today to allow her to be able to share some things related to her life and some things that I know would be a great help and encouragement to each of you, especially as mothers and as parents. Mom, how many children and grandchildren do you have? I have four children, 10 grandchildren, two great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Well, we, uh, we've been praying for you, and, um, and I'm going to have you share a couple of things here in just a moment, but um, I want to first of all have you share your story about how you grew up because you overcame a lot of challenges in your childhood, and one of those um, was the fact that you grew up in a situation where, unfortunately, you didn't have good fatherly figures in your life. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, my mother and father separated when I was just a, almost like a newborn. I was just a few months old, I think maybe close to 15 months old. And my mother remarried to a man that uh, was my stepfather that really raised me. and was a good father figure. And you shared with me one time that you basically had five father figures in your life at one point growing yes. up. Yes. My mother had been married five times. But when you think about what you overcame as a child, um, you also have a unique story in that you married Dad on your 15th birthday. Tell us about how you met Dad. Well, I was a skater. I loved to roller skate. And I was headed to the roller rink one day and was at this little sandwich shop. And he happened to be in there with another friend. And he said, who's that chick over there at the counter? <laughs> and uh, the guy said, well, you don't want to mess with her. She's a square. And, uh, but he came over and introduced himself anyway. And from then on, he wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> so you were a teenager. And yeah, I was just a teenager. And now all of a sudden, 
he's uh, he's hitting on you. He's he's uh, pursuing you, and then lo and behold, you guys get married, and it happens to fall on your fifteenth birthday. Yes, right. And Dad was how old? He was seventeen. I was fifteen. We had to get our parents' signature to get married. Man alive. Well, uh, kids, close your ears out there because you don't want to hear that. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, you went on to not just get married, but um, God did something miraculous in your life and in Dad's life. Uh, neither of you were Christians. And tell us about how you both came to the Lord. Well, on January the 28th, 1951, Dan Vesta was preaching at a revival of the church. And my father-in-law got saved during that crusade, and he went to work on us. We had separated for a couple of weeks, and he told Freddie, he said, Barbara's going to go to church with us. And I think he thought, well, if I go with them, maybe she'll come back to me. And so, sure enough, that's what happened. And we got back together and started. We both got saved the same night, January 28th, 1951. Shortly after that, God called Freddie to preach. Here was a new bride. With 19 months later, had my first child. And I was home alone. He'd gone off for his first revival. And I was frightened out of my mind because I was scared of the dark and didn't like to stay alone. So here you were, married. 16. 16 at the time, and uh, gave your life to Christ. And now all of a sudden, you're thrown into parenthood, trying to raise a child, and then... Well, God knew I loved babies, and so fortunately, he gave me four four babies. I kept wanting a girl the very first go-around, but he didn't see fit to give me that girl. So after the fourth child, I had a great big baby shower, and I got more beautiful pink things than you could shake a stick at. And I just couldn't resist one day when I was going to the grocery store to dress Rodney up in one of them and uh, took him to the grocery store. And everybody that passed said, oh, isn't she pretty? And I didn't have the heart to tell him it was a little boy. <laughs> the desire on your part to raise children has been obviously the desire to raise your children in a godly way. And I couldn't be more thankful for the legacy and for the seeds that you have sown into my life. And, of course, my three older brothers. And we are who we are today because of you and because of Dad and the way that you have invested in our lives. But I want to ask you, because you also have gone through not just a lot of challenges in your life relationally, all the things that you had to overcome in your childhood, but now even in your adult years, you were diagnosed um, back in the 80s with your first brain tumor. Uh, you've had four conventional brain surgeries, four brain tumors removed, multiple tumors. Since 1986. Yes, yeah, so, so since 1986, four brain surgeries, and uh, just recently learned that you had a fifth uh, brain tumor, the size of a, uh, nearly the size of a golf ball. You just re had radiation um, several weeks ago uh, to, to treat that. So it's a miracle that you're here. And I would like for you to share what what you leaned on. What what was it that got you through all of those physical challenges? Well, when I went to the hospital, I took my little uh, radio that plays CDs and had 
those, and they were inspiration to me, especially one one song, God on the Mountain Battle in Durando. I was waking up, which was unusual, I was waking up every morning around 5 or 5.30, and I'd get my Bible and start reading, and the Lord just let me fall upon the scripture, Isaiah 58, 8. Then shall the light break forth as the morning, and then hell shall spring forth speedily, and that righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be my right rear guard. At first when I read that, I thought that rear guard meant me and my four sons because they were all in the ministry. But later after reading it further and studying it, I realized it was not my four sons that... It says, Jesus was my rear guard. Well, what words of advice would you give to parents and to mothers out there as they are seeking to raise their children? You have four sons that are all serving the Lord in ministry. And what, uh, what words of encouragement and advice would you give to parents? Well, first of all, I'd say teach them the word of God and have family out and pray with them and give them lots of love and unconditional love. God loves us unconditionally and that's where we should live, love our children. We used to have a, the bread of life, it was the little cards with scriptures on them we kept at the breakfast room table. And I'd have them to read a scripture every morning and try to memorize it for the week. So true, that's one of the things I remember is God's word being taught in our home and one of those uh, challenges given to us to memorize God's word. The Bible says that if you um, hide the word of God in your heart, that we won't sin against him. And that's been one of the keys, I think, to helping and us. And there may come a day when we don't have our Bibles to lean on, and we'll only have what we have memorized to refer to. So I think it's very important, and not only to uh, send your children to church or take them to church, but to live for Christ all week long in front of them live the Christian life in front of them. A picture is worth a thousand words. Amen. Well, you heard it from one of the best right here, my precious mom. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. That video was captured two years ago. We showed it actually two years ago next week and uh, on Mother's Day. And it's an incredible, incredible moment to be able to hear firsthand from a lady who's been through a lot, as you just heard, and uh, one who has persevered, one who finished her race. She, she fought the good fight, as Paul the Apostle said. She fought the good fight of faith. And I just want to transition for just a moment and just say this, because this is so important. First of all, next week is Mother's Day. I don't think there's probably a greater and yet more memorable day um, to really celebrate in the house of God than Mother's Day. Because if there's one prayer that most moms have, on, especially on Mother's Day, that would become a reality, and that is for all of the children to go to church. And uh, I just hope that next week, Man, we'll, we'll pack this place to, to maximum capacity with family members, those that normally wouldn't go to church. They'll come to church with mom, amen? And so moms, send out that special invite. Make a phone call to your kids, your grandkids. Get them to be with you next weekend on Mother's Day. We're doing at the Mother's Day 
um, excuse me, at the movies, Mother Day, uh, Mother's Day edition, and it's going to be incredible. My, my wife, Michelle, is actually going to be doing the teaching. It's phenomenal. I've already, I've already um, seen what's, what we're doing. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And so I just want to encourage you, be aware of that and bring somebody with you. A lot of special giveaways and different things we're doing to honor the special ladies of the house. And so it's going to be an incredible, incredible time. I'm going to share with you just quick, quickly three things when it comes to, to teaching by example, because really the, at the end of the day is how do you do that? I mean, it's a lot easier said than done. How do you teach by example? Well, if you have um, your scriptures there, your, your, your Bible, or you're following along there in the app, notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you, will be with them for life. I love that. The values that they learn from you will be, with, will be with them for life. And that's the reason why it's so important that we allow Jesus to be reflected in everything we do, everything we say. It's the reason why it's so important that we as, as parents, even in our relationship with one another as a husband and a wife, Listen, it's not us that our spouse sees. It's not us that our children sees. It is Jesus living his life through us. And so with that said, how do we teach by example? Number one, if you take a notes, and that is this, we, are, we, we need to love them unconditional. We need to love them unconditionally. In John chapter 13, looking at verses 34 and 35, and I love how the new translation called the, the, the Passion Translation captures this. John 13, verses 34 and 35 says, So I give you, Jesus says, I will give you now a new commandment. Notice, love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love that I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Listen, the greatest single way that we can demonstrate unconditional love to one another, you ready for this, is how we treat one another. You see, the reason why that's so important is because of this. At the end of the day, if we want our children to reflect who we are, then we've got to ultimately live our lives in a way that represents the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to, you know, our, our, our words, why is that so important? Because the Bible says that our tongue literally has the power of life or death. So we've got to be affirming. We've got to speak words of life over one another. We've got to speak words of life over our children. And so that's the reason why we've got to, listen, we've got to realize that what we say and how we say it, what we do and how we do it, communicates a lot. And that it's either going to communicate insecurity and inferiority, or it's going to create a sense of security and confidence knowing not just who we are, but whose we are in Christ. And that's the reason why it's important that we love one another as Christ loved us. We love one another unconditionally. Number two is we've got to lead them intentionally. So we love them unconditionally and we lead them intentionally. I love what Moses told a group of parents. In fact, when he stood before the people of Israel... He made these, this, these statements, declarations in Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 5 and following. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your strength, 
And you must commit yourselves. Again, he's speaking to families, to people. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And then notice what he said. Repeat them again and again to your children. And talk about them when you're at home and when you're along the road and and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Why is that so important? Because how we live our lives is is, is extremely crucial. Why? Because, listen, we cannot take people, we cannot take our marriage, we cannot take our family to a place that we've never been. So we've got to lead by example. We've got to be intentional with how we lead ourselves. Listen, the, the most difficult person to lead is you. It's me. And so if we can lead ourselves intentionally, okay, now that gives us the opportunity to live our lives with intentionality. Why? Because you can't take somebody to a place you've never been. So what we're doing is we are leading them by example, but we're also leading them intentionally. Here's the reason why it's so important that we lead with the, what, with, with the things that we say. In other words, with, with how we talk, because someone's listening. Here's the reason why it's so important that we lead with intentionality when it comes to our behavior, our actions. Why? Because someone is watching. So our kids, they're listening and they're watching. Again, they're mimicking our behavior. They will do what we do. They will say what we say. As I stated at the very beginning, our children will become who we are. So be who you want them to be. It's monkey see, monkey do. And so we got to realize that's a tremendous responsibility. But you know what? I count it as a great privilege to be able to do that. I think one of the greatest joys and rewards in all the world is being able to ultimately be that kind of encouragement and and source of help and, and hope to the next generation. But again, we need God's help because we can't do it alone. We just got to realize that, you know what, our lives literally are a stage. And so that's the reason why we got to allow the light of Jesus Christ to radiate in us and to radiate through us so that those who are watching and those who are listening, again, they're not watching and they're not listening to us. No, they're seeing and they're hearing Jesus through us. So we got to lead with intentionality. I like what I heard someone would say, and it goes like this. Your walk talks and your talk talks. But does your walk talk louder than your talk talks? I'll repeat that. Your walk talks and your talk talks. But does your walk talk louder than your talk talks? You see, we've got to make sure that our walk actually matches our talk. And so here's a challenge that I want to throw out to every person in this place, specifically parents, grandparents, I think this is so vitally important. As, as couples, those who maybe are on the front end, maybe of, of starting your family, and even if you're single, let me tell you something, this ought to be a priority of your future mate, your future spouse that you're looking for. You just want to know, hey, is this person, is this person in love with the house of God? Is this person committed to the local church? Is this, is this person rooted? Have they been firmly planted into the house of the Lord? And here's the reason why that's so important. Studies have actually confirmed that if a mom and a dad 
went to church, that means that 72% of kids will also go to church as adults. If a mom only went to church, only 15% of kids will go to church as adults. If a dad only went to church, notice the increase of participation. It goes back up to 55% of kids who will go to church as adults. If neither mom nor dad went to church, 0.6% of kids will go to church as adults. It goes to show that the power of the, and the influence that moms and dads have on their lives can literally change the trajectory of their lives. That's why it's often been said that, you know, a, the most powerful influence on a, on a, in a child's life is not their peer, it's their parents. And so it's a huge responsibility. It's why we got to lead with intentionality. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we have an amazing church that's filled with amazing dream teamers who each and every week give of themselves a go above and beyond to sow seeds and to invest in the next generation. Right now, as we're in here, guess who is investing and sowing seeds into the hearts and into the lives of your children? It is our amazing Life Kids Dream Team right now that are in four environments right now. They're not babysitting. We don't call it child care. No, they are, listen, they are speaking life over your children. They are sowing seeds into the next generation. Why? Because they are leading them with intentionality. They believe that our children are the hope of our future. And so, and they're also the hope of our now. They're the ones that God is going to use to continue to take that baton and run the race, to fight the good fight of faith, to reach our generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, if you have a heart for the next generation, if you have a heart for children, you could see yourself being used to, to be a, a source of help and hope and light and life to the, to the lives of children. You ought to, you ought to I, listen, I would run after church today. I would go to the info booth and say, how can I sign up? I want to empower the next generation. That's the reason why this coming Wednesday night is our Remix Live. Why is that so important? Because our teenagers right now our middle school and our high school students, they are the ones right now that God is raising up to be a voice for this generation, to, to literally push back the darkness of our culture and our society. Listen, God is doing a great work in our, in our generation of young people right now, and that's the reason why I'm so excited. We have men and women. Listen, we have people who invest themselves in our student ministry called Remix. Why? Because they believe in the next generation and what we call the now generation that God is using. God is using. And I'm so thankful when it comes to opportunities that we have, even like tonight for our Man Up event, what an incredible opportunity for dads to bring their sons to an environment like we're going to be having tonight at 6 o'clock to hear from one of the greatest football coaches in all of college football history and one who is a sold-out believer in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, it's going to be an incredible, incredible time for, for, for dads just to be able to, to leverage that kind of modeling and to expose their kids to someone such as the coach um, that we're going to be having named Lou Holtz tonight. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity. It's the reason why we do things called mission trips. It's the reason why we're going to Camp Bahamas the first week of June. I don't think there's anything more impactful than when a family can go and serve together and grow together in a place outside of the norm. And that's the reason why a mission trip like that can be a 
game changer can restore broken relationships and help grow the family to become more intimate and really to be closer to one another and to experience all that God has for them. The list is endless. At the end of the day, listen, we've got to lead with intentionality. Why is that so important? Because a seed can't bear fruit until it first takes root. So we got to make sure that our kids are firmly rooted and planted into the house of the Lord. And so we got to make church attendance a priority. we got to lead by example. Why? Because 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul said it like this. He said, I remember your genuine faith as he was talking to Timothy. He said, hey, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith, listen to this, continue strong in you. You know what that says? That says that, that Timothy's mom and his grandmother lived a life of intentionality. They were intentional with passing that faith down to the next generation. Number three, if you're taking notes, is this. We've got to love them unconditional, unconditionally. We've got to lead them intentionally. And thirdly, we have to let them go purposefully. We've got to let them go purposefully. You know, it's been said that children are like a, an arrow in the hands of a warrior. When, they pull, when the warrior pulls back that bow and releases those arrows, those arrows are going out into the world to make a difference. And that's what, when you think about parenthood, that's really what parenting is all about. It's what raising children is truly all about. When you think about the definition of parenting, you know, when, when, when you have a child, they don't give you a, like a, uh, they don't give you a syllabus, they don't give you a, a handbook, they don't give you, you know, you can't go on YouTube, you know, and, and, you know, see a little, you know, instructional tutorial thing. No, 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 no. You're kind of on your own, aren't you? It's kind of like the baby comes into the world and it's kind of like, oh, isn't he cute? Isn't she cute? Good luck. Hope it all works out for you. Come back and see me 18, 19 years from now. I mean, honestly, there's just no plan. There's no guidebook. There's no sense of direction. You're kind of like, help. I'm a parent. I don't know what to do. Well, to put parenthood in a sentence, here's the responsibility. To gradually transfer a child's dependence away from them until it rests solely on God. That's it. That's the definition of parenthood. I love what Psalm 127 verses 3 and 5 says. Children are God's love gift. They are heaven's generous reward. Children born to a young couple will one day rise to protect and provide for their parents. Happy will be the couple who has many of them. Some of us say, that was a misprint. <laughs> Happy will be the couple who has many of them. Lord bless them. A household full of children will not bring shame on your name, but victory when you face your enemies. For your offspring will have influence and honor to prevail on your behalf. Imagine what it would be like if families of our 
current generation would stop the drift and make the shift. Imagine if parents would start with the end in mind. Imagine if parents decided, you know what, we're not going to no longer mimic or copy the the values and the beliefs of this world. No, 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 no. We're going to look to God's word and we're going to shape our children by the core values from God's word, his principles. We're going to build our lives on that. We're going to build our relationships on that. We're going to hold tight to those things. Imagine what it would be like if if parents would, would help their children by encouraging them and positioning them and exposing them to opportunities where they become secure, not just in who they are in Christ, but ultimately become secure in the way God has wired them through their special gifting, through the passions that God has placed in them. Because we're all different. And to realize that, you know what? Failure is never final. Struggle is a part of life. But you know, we can benefit from our struggles. God can still use our pain. And you know what? He can turn our pain into an even greater purpose. There is purpose through our pain. So God takes all of that. And imagine if parents could help their children not just discover that, but ultimately begin to see that God has a great plan and a great purpose for them. And then they find people that will come alongside to support that, to encourage that to affirm that, to support that in every way through those life-giving friendships. And imagine if we did everything we could as families to put the right people as examples, role models, mentors, coaches, godly figures that we could expose them to and say, that person lives a life like Jesus. That person is letting Jesus reflect through them. That person, that's the kind of marriage. That's the kind of family. That's the direction we want to go. Imagine, imagine. Listen, God's word gives us the framework. God's word gives us the plan. The world may not give it to you, but God is giving it to you right now. This is his plan. This is his purpose. And I just want to say this in conclusion. Because I believe with all of my heart, there are people in this room right now, and you're thinking to yourself, Rodney, I didn't have all that growing up. Or, you know, unfortunately, I didn't come to know the Lord until later in my life. And, you know, I just never had proper modeling or had no one to really come alongside to help me. And, and you know, and my kids are now maybe are, are of the age to where they're out of the house or they're making decisions on their own. And they're not living for the Lord. They, if anybody has drifted, man, I have a son or I have a daughter or some of my grandkids, they've drifted away from God. And you carry with you this burden, this heaviness. And, and I hear it all the time. A lot of times parents will beat themselves up with guilt. They're condemning themselves because of, you know, maybe their, their, their attitude is, well, you know, God just, he's paying me for all the mistakes I've made. And a lot of times they they will carry this hurt and this burden for a wayward son or a wayward daughter. And they're thinking to themselves, well, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to do. I've prayed for them. I've tried everything I know, and nothing's worked. Nothing's worked. I want to read a verse of Scripture, and I'm going to close with this. It's Galatians 6, 9. And it says these words. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened 
and planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Again, there's time between sowing and reaping. And that time between sowing and reaping may be a lot longer than you could have ever possibly imagined. But can I just tell you this? Whatever you do, listen, don't grow weary in doing good. Keep praying. Keep being faithful. Keep being persistent. You keep modeling that message. Listen, you, listen don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Don't give up. As my mom mentioned a few moments ago, she has four sons. All four of us didn't come to know the Lord until later years in our life. And I don't have the time to go into the stories. don't want to go into the stories because my three older brothers and I, we by no means were perfect. But by the grace of God, God brought all four of us back into our right relationship with God. And if God can do that for us, he can do that for you and your kids and your grandkids. Amen. So let's make the shift. Let's make the shift. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.